0: During the reigns of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. It will crush all these kingdoms into nothingness and God's kingdom will stand forever. Welcome to the end. Religion has a major problem. When we look at our world today, the vast majority of people who live in our world are religious. And amongst most Religions that exist, they all kind of agree that God is love and that God is all powerful. Well, there are many people who stop and think about that and they say God can't be both love and all powerful at the same time because of all of the evil that exists in our world. And we see, you know, so many things in our world that we would love to change. I mean, just think about the last time that you were standing beside a hospital bed and you were watching someone who was suffering. And maybe this person was a newborn baby that has done absolutely nothing wrong, completely innocent and yet born to a lifetime of suffering. And so I ask you the question, as you were standing there or if you were standing there at that hospital bed and you had the power to do something to change the suffering that that person was experiencing, would you do so? And of course, all of us would answer, of course we would. Okay, so that poses a problem for God. If God is love and God truly loves us, Why doesn't he do something about it? Why doesn't he stop the pain, the suffering, the evil that exists in our world? Thinking people, when they look at this, they come up with a number of different conclusions. Some would conclude that, well, maybe God doesn't know what's going on. That's why he doesn't do anything. Well, if God doesn't know, he is not really God and he's not really all-powerful. Others would conclude... God doesn't have the power to change it. Well, once again, if God does not have the power to change it, then God is not God and God is not all powerful. Some would conclude that God doesn't want to stop what is going on. Now, if God doesn't want to stop what is going on, if he doesn't want to stop evil and pain and suffering, then surely he is not a God of love. And if he is not a God of love, then why would we serve him? And so you see, The problem that religious people have the world over, almost regardless of the religion that you belong to. The great thing about the Bible is the Bible provides answers for this most important question. And to find those answers, we are going to look at a number of passages that are found in Scripture. The first principle that we are going to look at is that the Bible teaches that our universe is not One vast empty desert that God has inhabited all by himself through the ceaseless ages of eternity. No, our universe is a place that is teeming with life. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 10, the Bible says, Then God would use the church to show the powers and authorities in the spiritual world that he has many different kinds of wisdom. Here God speaks about the church which is here on this earth and speaks about the spiritual world that is watching the church that is on earth. If we go to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, we are going to find that Paul speaks about this again. He says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. There is a spiritual realm out there that we do not see, that is right around us and not all of that spiritual what realm is positive. Some of that spiritual realm has it in for us. First Corinthians. There is another very enlightening passage that Paul speaks of in First Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 9. And here the Bible says this. For I think that God has set forth us, the apostles last, as it were appointed to death. For we are made a spectacle. In other words, people are watching. Well, who it is watching? Unto the world. So first of all he references the world is watching and to angels, so the angels are watching, and to men. So who is that? These are the inhabitants of the universe that are around us right now. Revelation chapter 12. Once again, we head over here. Revelation chapter 12. Bit of a Bible study we're going to have here this morning. Hope that if you have a Bible in front of you, you can follow us along and your pages can be flipping as well. The Bible says there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon fought and his angels. They did not prevail. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. The great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast into the earth. If we go down a little bit further we find in verse 12 that it says therefore rejoice you heavens. That's in plural. That's the cosmos. Rejoice you cosmos and you that live in them, you that live in the heavens woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time that it is nearly the end. Now, when you think about this passage right here, John is speaking about the heavens and those that live in the heavens in contrast to those that live on the earth. In other words, the inhabitants of the universe. Well, whereabouts in the universe do these people live? The answer, once again, is found in Scripture. If you go over to Hebrews, uh, the Bible has a passage here that was only confirmed by modern science in the last 20 or 30 years. Hebrews chapter 1 The Bible says God in verse one, who at sundry times and in different ways spoke in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his son, by whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom he also made the worlds, the planets, that exist in our universe, and these planets would be the home of the inhabitants that we have been reading about. Our universe is full of life, and that life is able to see what is taking place here on this earth. So as we unpack this subject, we're going to look at two great principles. First of all, we're going to look at the big picture versus the little picture principle, and then we're going to look at the concept of the power of choice. We've got a fascinating story over here in Job chapter 1. We're going to unpack this story a little bit. We're going to look at the principle of big picture versus little picture as we work our way through Job chapter 1. So hopefully you are once again able to follow me in your Bibles here. We're going to pick up the story in verse six. The Bible says there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan came amongst them. The Bible speaks of the sons of God. Plural. This is not Jesus Christ. These are the representatives of the universe whoever, whatever it is that is out there, because the Bible describes Adam as the father of our race, as a son of God, not the son of God, not Jesus Christ, but a son of God because, you know, he doesn't have any other father other than his creator. And so you've got this gathering there and Satan turns up and you might wonder, well, why would Satan be there? Well, in Satan's mind, Adam sold out to Satan Adam is dead, and so if somebody's going to go as the representative of this planet, then Satan is like, well, you know, it's going to be me. I'm going to turn up in heaven. I'll, I'll go as the representative of planet Earth because planet Earth has chosen me. The Lord said to Satan, where'd you come from? Satan answered and said, from going to and fro in the Earth and from walking up and down in it. In other words, I've come from planet Earth. This is my domain I am here as a representative of planet earth. And so God asked him a question. Okay, if you're, the, if you're here from earth and you represent earth, do you really, and we're filling in the gaps here, do you really represent everyone that's on earth? Are you truly the representative of planet earth? Have you considered my servant Job in verse 8? There is no one like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man someone who fears God and turns away from evil. Well, Satan has an answer ready for this one because Job was a man of fabulous wealth. And here he continues on. He says, Satan answers the Lord and said, does Job fear God for nothing? You've put a hedge about him. You've protected him. You've given him all of these things. You've given him so much wealth. I want you to notice what it is that God is being accused of here. And I want you to notice the environment that it is taking place. Satan has turned up in front of the assembled representatives of the universe in this heavenly council. And they are all watching on. And Satan has claimed to be you know, the, the, the representative of planet Earth. God has challenged that. He's like, well, you don't represent everybody down there. There's this guy named Job and he serves me, not you. Well, Job turns around and says, no, 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 no. He doesn't serve you because he loves you. This whole government of love that you keep talking about is just fake. The only reason that Job serves you is because you give him stuff. You know, you're just his sugar daddy and he's nothing more than a gold digger. Now, at that particular point, God has a number of of options. What is it that God is going to do? You see, God at that particular point could say, you know what, I'm God. I don't need to listen to your rubbish, Satan. That's foolishness and I know Job's heart. So be gone with you. God has the power to do that. He is sovereign ruler and creator of the universe. But what would happen if God did that? The representatives of the universe are right there. What message will they take back to the rest of the universe? You know, it would raise doubts in people's minds. Well, did Satan actually have a point? because God never actually answered that objection. And we can look down on planet Earth and we can see that God is certainly making Job very wealthy. So maybe this love thing is not actually real. The other alternative is that God can give Satan leeway to test Job. And that's going to be rough for Job. To cut a long story short, this is the path that God chooses. And so God gives Satan some leeway. You can do whatever you want to. You just can't kill him. That's not going to accomplish anything. So don't kill him. Satan goes down there. Satan destroys all of Job's all of his possessions, all of his family, except his wife. It turns out to be his servant anyway, um, and all of his wealth, his family, and his health, all destroyed, all gone. Now think about that from Job's perspective. Can Job see what is going on? In the courts of heaven, what is at stake here is the allegiance and the love of the universe, the government of God. itself. its core foundation as being a government of love is at stake. Is love real? Is service from love real? Or are people only serving God because he gives them things? Of course, Job remains faithful. And because Job remains faithful, it is Satan who goes away with egg on his face. Now, if God had stepped in at this particular point and destroyed Satan or even just pushed him away like, no, get out of here, then God is just being a bully. And the universe would see that God is being a bully and just, you know, Satan, I'm not even going to let you have an opportunity to state your case. Be gone with you. That's how the universe looks at God if Satan does that. God becomes the bully. But when God allows Satan to test Job, then rather than God being seen as the bully, Satan is seen as the bully. And Satan is exposed for who he truly is. And God's government of love is justified. It is upheld. People see that Job is going to serve God, whether he's wealthy or poor. It's not going to make any difference because he truly loves God. He truly understands just how good God is and what God has done for him and the salvation that God has provided for him. Next principle that we're going to look at because, you know, when we think about the big picture versus the little picture, all Job sees is he has lost everything. He does not realize that what is at stake is the whole universe. We don't always see the big picture ourselves. We only see what is right in front of us. But there is more to it than that. And to understand how there is more to it than that, we need to go back to the origin of sin itself. And to do so, we're going to read from Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah chapter 14, where the Bible describes the beginnings of sin. How are you fallen from heaven? O Lucifer, son of the morning, how are you cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations? By the time he got down here to this earth, he'd been doing a lot of damage to the nations of the universe. Verse 13, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also on the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Satan was trying to overcome the government of God. He was trying to pull off a coup in heaven, a military takeover. It's further described in the next book, uh, a couple of books over, sorry, Ezekiel chapter 28. Ezekiel chapter 28. And over here we find that uh, he is described as the anointed cherub who covers in verse 14. You are the anointed cherub who covers. I have set you so. You were upon the holy mountain of God. You have walked up and down in the middle of the stones of fire. You were perfect in your ways from the day that you were created until iniquity was found in you. Some people ask me the question, how could a perfect being ever commit sin? And I would answer by saying the reason that he could commit sin was because he was a perfect being. You see, the ability to sin, the ability to rebel, the ability to choose an alternative comes from the power of choice. It is the power of choice that creates the existence of love. By creating the power of choice, God has created the reality and the possibility of love because God is love. And God's kingdom is a kingdom that is a kingdom all of love. Satan has come along and proposed an alternative. Okay, we've had this kingdom of God, love. Why don't we try an alternative to the kingdom of love? Why don't we try a different way? And God is like, no, this is the best way. This is the way of love. And Satan's like, no, 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 I want to try my own way. You know what I'm going to do? I want to sit on your throne. I want to be God. I want to have an alternative right here. He is able to do so because he has the power of choice. Now, God could remove his power of choice. And the moment that God removes his power of choice, he ceases to be a person. You see, what it is that defines a person is the power of choice. Not only would he cease to be a person, he would cease to have love, to experience love. Love would be eradicated in one move, just like that, gone. And he would be go, go from being a person to being a robot. You see, the difference between a person and a robot is the power of choice. I can com- I can, you know, control my computer. I can program my computer to tell me that it loves me. But does my computer really love me? No, because it can't choose that. And so here we find that Satan has the power of choice and he chooses to exercise that power to rebel against God. So what does God do? Well, once again, people would say, well, um, okay, maybe we can't take away his power of choice because, you know, that would eradicate love in one move. So maybe rather than taking away the power of choice, we should just destroy him like that. You know, isolate the rest of the universe from his influence by destroying him. Okay, that sounds reasonable to a human being until you place yourself in God's shoes. Put yourself there for a moment and think about this. If you're God and Satan comes along and he's going to rebel, you have the option. You can wipe him out. And so with a click of your fingers, you go bang and Satan ceases to exist. So now the rest of the universe, up until this point, they have been serving you because they love you and for no other reason whatsoever at all. But why do they serve you now? They are going to see Satan, you know, be Thanos, so to speak, be vaporized. The natural reaction is going to be, well, I don't want that to happen to me. That would be a terrible thing. You know, we all have that desire to live. And so why are they obeying God now? In one simple movement, if God had destroyed Satan, he would have eradicated the existence of love. Because up until this point, the whole universe had served God because they loved God. God eradicates Satan. Now, now, from that point forward, they are serving God because they don't want to be destroyed. And so God has another option then. Okay, that one's not going to work. You cannot preserve love in the universe, and instantaneously wipe out Satan. So what do you do? How do you preserve love and then at the same time eradicate evil and get rid of it in such a way that it will never, ever come back again? You know, there's an old saying that goes, if you give a man enough rope, he will hang himself. And that's pretty much what God does here. He's like, okay, Satan, you've proposed an alternative. I'm not going to take away anyone's power of choice. Anyone who chooses to follow you, they have the opportunity to do so. All right? And we're going to set aside a period of time. And within that period of time, we can see the results of your government versus the results of my government And everybody can choose. And then when the results come in, well, one government is going to survive. The government that is the best one. And so God has allowed Satan and he has allowed the universe to make their choice. The problem with that is that when God created this world, our parents chose Satan. They moved across to the dark side And they accept Satan as their leader by moving into sin. And now God has another problem altogether. He did not remove the power of choice from Adam and Eve. But he did make it as easy as he possibly could. I mean, let's think about it. There is the whole planet and he gives it to just two people initially. And on the whole planet, he's like, well, I'm not going to remove the power of choice. I'm going to let Satan have access to this planet. But on the entire planet, he only gets access to one tree. You see, God's making it easy as possible. And then he comes to Adam and Eve and explains to them, don't go and eat the fruit of this tree. Don't go anywhere near this tree. He tells them the story. They know. They go in with their eyes open. And when they're deceived and when they choose to sin, sin comes into our world and God has a problem. Because God loves human beings and he wants to save human beings. But how can he do that? You see, the only way that you can get rid of sin is by killing it. It's like a virus. The only thing you can do to get rid of the virus is to kill it. And if you can't kill the virus, you have to kill the host. And so the wages of sin is death, and death has been decreed on the human race because of that, and God can't bear that because he loves us. Of course, God sees all this because God knows the end from the beginning. God knows the cost. He knows what it's going to cost him to allow Satan to continue for a period of time, and he knows that that is going to have an infinite cost. This is not where something where God's just going to sit back and say, well, you do your thing, I'll do my thing, and uh, let's see what happens in 6,000 years later, and let, let's choose at the end of that. No, 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 no. Because God is intimately involved in the whole process, and God doesn't want to see anybody lost, but at the same time, he will never violate your power of choice. He will never violate mine, because the moment he violates our power of choice, love is gone. And so what does God choose to do? Well, sin's going to exist for a period of time. It's going to exist for a set period and then it's going to be over. And during that period, well, God wants to save as many people as he can. And the only way that he can do that is by giving his his life. And so God comes to this earth. God becomes a human being. God suffers on this earth in a way that we can't even begin to imagine. And we think, okay, well, that was the son of God. You know, the father kind of sits back in heaven and and lets the son take all the heat for it. Well, you know what? No parent is ever going to say that because any parent is out there will know that it is so much harder to watch your child suffer than it is to step in and take that suffering for them. We would take their place, you know, in a heartbeat. At any moment. And so the entire Godhead, Father, Son and Holy Spirit are suffering through this process. They are suffering as they see their created children who are choosing death rather than life. And then they are suffering when Jesus comes to this earth. He suffers on this earth. He gives his life to pay the penalty for us so that we can receive salvation. He becomes the innocent substitute on our behalf. You see, if God hadn't done that, Satan would have said, stepped back and said, well, you can't save these people. You said that the wages of sin was death and the only way of getting rid of sin was to kill everyone who was a sinner. You can't just go and blindly forgive them. God steps in and says, okay, this is my law. I made that law and I will die to pay the penalty for that law in their place. That's what God has chosen to do because of his unfathomable love that he has for every one of us. And so God's choices were easy at the beginning. He could have removed Satan's power of choice. Everybody becomes a robot. Problem solved. Love is gone. He could have chosen to destroy Satan and isolate the universe from sin. Once again, sin is gone, the universe is all serving him, problem solved, except that he's eradicated love from the universe. Or he could choose a path of suffering, but a path in which every single person in the universe and on this earth is able to have the power of choice, to maintain that power of choice, to never lose that power of choice, and thus to be able to love and to experience love. You see, God is love. And so He chooses the path that is a path of love. God is all-powerful. And so God chooses a path that will eradicate sin. You see, when God finally gets rid of sin, it's never coming back again. The Bible says in Nahum chapter 1 and verse 9, sin is not coming back. It will never rise its ugly head again. Why won't it come back? Is it impossible for it to come back? No, of course it's not impossible for it to come back. But let's face it. When you get to heaven and you are in a perfect universe and a universe of love, will you want to be the person who goes, yeah, you know what? I kind of feel like starting that whole earth thing again. No, you won't. Why? You've seen it. You've experienced it. Will anyone in the the universe want to start it over again? No. Why not? Because we have seen it. We have experienced it. You see, God has a perfect plan for making sure that sin never comes back again. A perfect plan that removes all doubt from the minds of anyone in the universe and guarantees that the horror that we see today will not last for eternity, that it will only exist for a set period of time. The Bible says there's coming a time. Let me read it to you. And it's coming very, very soon. Revelation chapter 21. I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will live with them. They will be His people. God Himself will be with them and be their God. God will wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things have passed away. This is what Jesus has promised for us. And if you want to experience this promise right here, why don't you make a decision right now? And may God bless you in your decision to serve you. you've been listening to The End. For more information about this program or any of this show's free offers, visit www.theend.digital